Good morning, Parkway Church. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Port Lavaca, or Parkway Online. Just want to say Merry Christmas. And it is going to be a real joy over the next few weeks to open the Bible together and to walk through the Christmas story. See, we're in a series that we're kicking off today called Home for Christmas. And what I hope that you see through each and every week as we walk through the Bible together and the Christmas story together is that Christmas says God came to make his home in you. He left heaven and came to earth so that you could have a relationship with him. The miracle of Christmas is that God came to make his home in us. As we celebrate that this year, I am so glad that you're with us. My name is Mike. I am the senior pastor here. And one of the things that I've learned in recent years pastoring, I've been your pastor now for 10 years. So I think this makes my 11th Christmas. And, and, and each, okay, three of you are excited about that. That's good. Three of you are excited. Like, I've been your pastor for 10 years, 11 Christmases. Woo! 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 Okay. Ha! Ah! Anyway. <laughs> If we do this all day, it'll be fun, but we won't get anything out of it. Anyway, so each and every like summer, we put our heads together and we start dreaming and planning and praying about Christmas. And it's, it's really hard because as a pastor, you go, what can I do this Christmas that has never been done before? How can we teach this Christmas in a new and fresh way? And, and I'll be honest with you, 11 Christmases, I got nothing new and fresh for you when it comes to telling and retelling the Christmas story. And you should be really glad about that. Some of you are like, you're just going to tell me the same old story? Can I punch out now and leave? Let me tell you, if you're ever in a church, you're listening to somebody online and they say, hey, I've got a special new message for Christmas. I've got a message from Christmas that nobody's ever seen and nobody ever said. That's when you need to punch out and run out. Because the Christmas story we're going to tell over these next weeks, is the story of Jesus coming to make his home with us for Christmas. One of the things that I've discovered over the years is that every Christmas is different, but every Christmas is also the same. Every Christmas is different. You think about growing up. I had a bunch of different kinds of Christmas growing up. My favorite Christmas of all growing up was the year that I got my my Huffy bicycle. It had a number seven plaque on the front of it, had a banana seat. It was the 70s, y'all. Don't hate. By the way, whenever I tell my kids it was the 70s, they look at me like it was the 20s. Okay? Like, was Laura Inglis there? Anyway, no, it's not Little House on the Prairie. It's the 70s. Then there was that Christmas where my brother pinned me down. He put his knees on my shoulders. My brother's five years older than me, so this was, this was traumatic, right? He pinned me down, and he sat there bumping me on the chest. And I was looking up at the Christmas tree with the lights and everything on it, and I couldn't breathe. And I, I felt like I'm, I'm about, my brother's about to kill me right here this Christmas. And so my parents, we had a quick trip to the emergency room, and by the time we got almost to the hospital, my breathing cleared up, and my tears stopped, and my brother got appropriately disciplined. It was a Merry Christmas for all. Then there was the Christmas that I was a teenager and my little four, ten and a half Italian mama took all my Christmas back from me. 
<laughs> Never forget that one. You say, how does your mom take Christmas back? And why would she do it? And what kind of punk were you? Well, I would open presents and look at them and say, can I take this back? Do you have a receipt? And about the seventh or eighth time of me doing that, she got mad. And she took all of my presents and put them in her closet and said, you can't have Christmas until you appreciate it. Took me about a week before I got my Christmas presents. See, every Christmas is different. There was that Christmas that dad was gone and Christy was there as my wife. There was that Christmas when Nick was a baby and we were celebrating together as a young family like never before. This Christmas will be different. Every Christmas is different. But every Christmas is also the same. And it's part of that sameness of Christmas that draws us to celebrate Christmas and that makes us look forward to and long for this season that we're about to go through together. You know, we eat the same food at Christmas. Is it your grandmother's fudge? What is it that you look forward to eating each and every Christmas? That taste that reminds you, I am home. We listen to the same songs at Christmas. We go to the same parades at Christmas. And we watch the same people go on the same floats and we think it's fun. Every Christmas is different, but every Christmas is also the same. And as we look at the most foundational view of Christmas today, the same story that's been told for over 2,000 years now is the story that we tie into. It's the story of God coming to make his home in us. And it's the power that we have because Christmas is real and Jesus is alive. That's the story of Christmas we're going to dig into today. As you think about the story of Christmas, you can fill in this first blank. Jesus left his home to make his home with us. Jesus left his home in heaven to make his home with you and me here on earth. I mean, let that sink in for just a second. That little nativity that you've set up at your house, you know, on your front table. It says God left his home to make his home with us. You've got Mary and Joseph. You've got the shepherds. You've got the wise men. You've got the little animals. And that display in your house is not simply an ornament of a holiday. That display in your house is a declaration of truth that Jesus left his home in heaven to make his home with us. Listen to how John wrote it. The word, John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. When you see the word in the gospel of John, that's pointing to Jesus. And John gives us this perfect picture of Jesus when he says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then he tells us that Jesus was a part of creation, and Jesus is a part of holding all things together. And then he says, this Word, this Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus took on human flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived among us. He had perfection in heaven, and he chose the brokenness of earth. He had glory and splendor in heaven, and he chose the humility of a carpenter's family 
here on earth. Jesus left his home to make his home with us. See, we don't worship and serve a disconnected deity. We worship a personal Savior, and we follow and depend upon a personal Savior who came for us and who made his dwelling among us. Do you see the full implications of that? Jesus didn't just come and make an appearance. Jesus came and made a home. He made his dwelling. Literally, it means he pitched his tent among us. He made home here instead of in heaven. And that's the story of Christmas. Why would Jesus do that? Well, as any college freshman or any newlywed would tell you, you never know someone fully until you live with them right? The lessons in the first years of marriage, you never know someone fully until you live with them. And Jesus came and made his dwelling among us so that there would be no question as to his knowledge and understanding of you and me. The book of Hebrews says that Jesus is our great high priest and that we have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with everything we've gone through except for one thing. We have a Savior who's able to empathize with everything we felt and experienced except for one thing. So Jesus made his dwelling among us so that he would know everything we've gone through except for one thing. And he would know everything we felt except for one feeling. Like that hunger pain that you feel, Jesus felt hunger. He was in the desert fasting for 40 days. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to long for water and for bread. He knows. That feeling of frustration when people let you down, he knows. Because he did life with people up close and personal. That feeling of knowing you need to spend time with God, Jesus knew that. So he would send the crowds away and he would spend personal time with the Father. See, everything we go through, minus one, and everything we feel, minus one, Jesus can relate to personally because he came to make his home with us. See, Mike, what's that one thing that Jesus can't relate to? What's that one feeling that, that Jesus can't sympathize with us in? What's that one thing? Well, we have a great high priest who can relate to every weakness of ours except for our sin. And we have a great high priest that can, that can sympathize with all of our feelings and emotions except for that feeling or emotion of regret. This great high priest came so that we could know him. He made his dwelling among us. And what I love about this is when you let that sink in, when you let the story of Christmas sink in, it says, Jesus can relate to everything you're going through. I can have hope. And Jesus can change who I am and what I do. The one that I'm worshiping and following that made his dwelling among us, he's perfect. He doesn't experience regret and loss and guilt and shame like we do because of our sinful patterns. And he says, I have come to make my home with you. This is no distant deity. This is a personal savior who came for us. Second thing we know from the Christmas story today. Jesus 
left his home to see God at home with us. I mean, why in the world would Jesus give up his home in heaven to come and live and be born in a manger and live in humble circumstances? And why would he choose that time, that place, those people, you and me? Jesus left his home so that we could see God at home in us. John 1.14, let's finish it up. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So what did this personal savior show us? This personal savior, whether we're reading the passages in the gospels or whether we're like the eyewitnesses who saw it with their very own eyes, what did they see and what do we see? We see God's glory and his one and only son on display. And when we see Jesus, we see two things that we desperately need. We see grace and we see truth. See, Jesus left his home to be home with us. And Jesus left his home so that God would be home in us. And we see his grace and truth. Let's uh, take a quick survey real quick. How many of y'all are already done with your Christmas shopping? Anybody already done? Port Lavaca Lone Tree Online. The online campus is finishing their shopping right now. That's what they're doing. Anybody here done? I mean, come on, be proud. Be pr- oh, that's good. So everybody else that is not raising their hand right now, you're still looking for a gift, maybe even a perfect gift for someone. And as you look at the gift that God gave us with his grace and truth, I want you to know that that's the perfect gift. You're looking for that perfect gift, and you want to buy that present that is needed. You want to buy that present that's wanted. You want to buy that perfect gift where the recipient's going to know that they're loved and valued and cared for. You're going to want to give them that perfect gift that they will enjoy. And I'm telling you, God has already given you the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. You can only give a perfect gift if you know people intimately. What are their needs? What are their wants? What are their desires? God knows you perfectly. You can only give a perfect gift because it's one thing to be able to shop for a perfect gift. It's a whole nother thing to be able to purchase that perfect gift. Anybody else feel that pressure? Like, I know what I'd like to get for them, but I can't get it. I don't have the means. Let me just tell you, When God looks at our need before him, he doesn't say, I know what I'd like to get them, but I don't have the means. He looked and said, I know what I want to get them, and so I will give them my son. I want them to know grace. I want them to know truth, so I will give them my son. Jesus left heaven to make his home with us so that God could make his home with us. As you think about your life, believer in Jesus Christ, are you living with grace and truth. A lot of times as believers, we live with grace or truth. When we, when we do that, though, we, when we miss a key part of our relationship with God and we show an incomplete picture of God to ourselves and to others. See, if you drop truth and all you do is build your life on grace, you're God's kid. He has forgiven you. You've got heaven as your home. 
but, but you still struggle with the exact same things you've always struggled with. You're that person that asks for, for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. You're running the same route over and over again in your job, in your relationships, in your personal habits. And you don't know why. It's because you're living with grace and you've dropped the truth. So there are others who come and say, I don't fully believe and know how much God loves me. I don't fully believe and know that I am forgiven and that whatever I've done in the past and whatever I do in the future is covered by Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You are secure, but you don't feel like it. And so you've reduced your relationship with Jesus to truth and your ability to keep it and your ability to feel like you're pleasing God with your life. Grace and truth says your, your walk with God isn't about your willpower and your won't power. It's about his power at work in you. Grace and truth says, I love you and I've saved you, but I desire to work in you with my truth. How are you living with grace and truth today, friends? Because Jesus left his home to see God at work in us. Religion offers us two spectrums or two points on a spectrum. Religion offers us license where we say, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm forgiven. Religion also offers us legalism where it says, I'm going to do everything I can to please God and no one else can help me, not even God himself. As you look at that religious spectrum, friends, please know that Jesus came not to give you license and not to offer you legalism, but instead to give you grace and truth. It's what you need. You need his forgiveness and mercy. It's grace. And you need his truth so that you build your life in a new way. How are you doing with grace and truth? This Christmas season is a perfect opportunity for you to see the grace of God and for you to engage with his truth. As, as a dad, like you've got kids at home, maybe you can be the spiritual leader in your family this month by walking through the Christmas story together. We've got Bible reading plans on our website and our app. Maybe you don't have a home full of kids, but you know that Christ needs to be at home in your heart. And so you're gonna, you're gonna read this Christmas story and you're gonna say, God, open everything, open my life up to you as I read the Christmas story this month. As I look at the word of God, would you work in me? So Jesus left his home to make his home with us. Jesus left his home so that God would be home with us. And then the last one, third unchangeable truth about Christmas. Jesus changes us when he makes his home in us. The reason it's so important that we know that Jesus left his home to make his home in us, and Jesus makes his home in us so that God will be with us is because that's where God works. As you think about the Christmas story, God's grace and truth invading your life, I want you to see a picture of you that maybe you've never seen before. You are God's renovation project. You are the best house in the worst neighborhood. You are Chip and JoJo's 
next fixer-upper. That's who you are. Would God at work in you? Now, if Chip and JoJo were fixing us, there'd be some shiplap involved. There might be some showing of Chip's belly involved. But this is an entirely different story when it comes to what God does in you and me. But the picture's the same. Do you realize that God came and made his dwelling among us so that he would renovate our lives as believers in Jesus Christ? So that he would make the old things new? So that he would make the useless things useful? So that he would make the deadly things blessings? Do you realize that God came to renovate your life? And if you say that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and God is in me and with me, you are his renovation project. He made his dwelling in you so that he could change you. Listen to how Paul writes it to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. There's that word again. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. He came and made his dwelling among us. Why? So that he could make his dwelling in our heart by faith. You are his renovation project. And if you keep reading, you'll see that not only does this renovation project give you strength, but this renovation project of Jesus working on your life lets you know that you are rooted and established in God's love. His grace is real. You see that Paul says his grace, his love is, is wide and long and high and deep in every dimension. God's love meets and surpasses every one of your needs. To that person who struggles to know that you're truly forgiven, you're still building your walk with God based on you and not based on him. His love is long. His love is wide. His love is high. His love is deep for you. And then you keep reading, and Paul prays that we would be filled to the measure of the knowledge of God. See, Paul says, you need to know that you're loved, but you also need to know the knowledge of God filled to the measure. Filled to the measure means filled perfectly. Believer in Jesus who is trusting God's grace but not following his truth. Know that he desires for you to be filled perfectly with his truth. If you've ever baked anything, you know that if you measure things correctly, they're filled to the measure. The treat comes out correctly. I'm one of those guys that doesn't like to measure specifically. So if it says a cup, it might be five-eighths of a cup or it might be a cup and a quarter. And my kids, especially the chef in the house, looks and says, Dad, if you're not filled to the measure correctly, it won't be right. And I just tell them, I've never met a wrong cookie. (laughs) But can we make sure that we don't allow that thinking to invade our relationship with God? 
where we ignore his truth and the measure to which he wants us to be filled? See, Christ left his home so that he could be home with us. He made his dwelling among us. Christ left his home so that God would be home with us. And Christ made his home with us so that God would change us. This Christmas season, I hope and pray that you will make room in your life for Christ to be at home this Christmas. Because as Jesus works in your life, you're his great renovation project. You are doing more than just giving Jesus a tour of your life. You are transferring the ownership of your life to Jesus Christ. You know what it'd be like to give Jesus a tour of your life? You'd walk him into the kitchen and he'd say, Jesus, check out these cabinets. Check out the things that I'm passionate about, I'm excited about. Check out the things that feed me. Then you'd walk him into the, 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 the media room or the TV room. And you'd say, Jesus, check out how I entertain myself. And Jesus would look and see. He'd see your passions. He'd see your entertainment. Then you'd walk down the hall towards your bedroom. You're going to show him where you rest and how you trust him. You pass that door, though, that says authorized personnel only. And Jesus looks at the door and looks at you. He said, let's keep walking. Because you're not transferring the title. You're just giving a tour. And then there's that room that says do not enter. And so you keep walking past that area of your life, that room in your life. You're giving Jesus a tour. Let me tell you, God came not so that he would have a tour of your life, but so that he would have the title of your life, believer in Jesus Christ. It's time to stop giving Jesus a tour, and it's time to transfer the ownership, the leadership of your life to God. Seven years ago, this February, I was getting a tour of Second Baptist in Victoria. We were meeting with them, and we were talking about some potential of mentoring and tutoring kids after school. And as I was getting a tour of the building by John, you might know him as Honey John, I got on my phone. And I don't know if I was responding to a text or if I was checking the scores of the football game. It was a Sunday afternoon. And John looked at me. He said, son, you might want to put that away. I'm about to throw you the keys. I thought I was on a tour. We were about to transfer the title. About eight weeks later, the faithful people of Second Baptist Church said, let's give our building, let's transfer ownership of our building to Parkway Church, and Parkway Lone Tree was born. I thought I was on a tour. We were about to transfer ownership. Right now in your life, is Jesus just on a tour where you're guiding him? Or have you transferred ownership of your life and you say, Jesus, you are my leader. You are the one that I'm accountable to. You are the one that I'm following. The reason I push you so hard with that question today is because every Christmas is different. And every Christmas is the same. You don't know what this year holds for you and you don't know what next year holds for you but you can know with confidence and certainty that you were his kid living by grace and living with truth. 
because he's making his home in you. That's the story, the unchangeable story of Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word and to be challenged. Lord, I pray that we would all take our next step with you. As we pray, church family, maybe you need to deal with that question. Am I living with grace and truth? Maybe you need to take Jesus from being one who's getting a tour of your life to being one who owns your life. Maybe there's an area of your life you've kept closed off to him and you just need to simply say, Lord, this area is open to you and I'm open to the change that you bring. Maybe you've never believed in Jesus for life and this is the first time you've heard that Jesus left heaven to make his home with us so that God could be at home in us and he could work in us. What's your response? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is Savior and Lord of all, and he invites us to believe, to believe when God says, you're a sinner who needs a Savior, and my Son is your Savior. If today is your day to believe, let's mark it with a prayer you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a Savior and that you are the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.